0: Cool. All right, welcome back
1: to another episode of Twisted Tactics. We got a special guest. will introduce yourself.
0: My hey, name is Jonathan, i um, New Hampshire. That's pretty much it. I'm a dad, uh, I'm a business owner, recovering constantly. covered also it's important things you tell yourself.
1: So he got a few uh, story or two that he wants to tell, and we'll let him take the mic from here.
0: So growing up in New Hampshire, I uh, lived in one of the larger cities, not a very big city as cities go necessarily, but certainly has its big city problems. Never really considered myself much different. Uh, grew up a uh, little just to get out into the world, and uh, I ended up kind of just getting out of high school, you know, didn't really graduate, just barely, lack of motivation, Womped by my surroundings, I guess not a perfect household. I'm sure many can relate to it even though it wasn't applicable. But uh I one of my parents was an alcoholic and I Think that kind of loosened up things for when we were getting old enough to want to kind of experiment with some stuff so pulled around a little bit in high school with alcohol and um, maybe trying a little bit extra Vicodin after I got my wisdom teeth out kind of thing, just not really thinking much of things. And um, I ended up getting out of school, you know, working, ended up meeting a couple kids that didn't go to my school, different part of the city, and kind of admired, for whatever reason, admired these kids and looked up to them and started kicking it with them and everything was good. You know, I worked a job. I had bills, paid apartment or rent or whatever, um, and just like to have fun, you know. So, timeline may affect the way this story goes. Also, the uh, opioid epidemic was really just starting to get some gas behind it as I was coming of age and everything. But um, we ended up, you know, we liked Percocet. And- don't mean to trigger anybody. And while we're on that subject, full disclosure: I am by no means a professional. If you or any of your loved ones suffer from addiction, I would recommend seeking professional help. Definitely. Um, for sure, it's a huge problem. A lot of people are afraid to talk about it or ashamed of their background or whatever. Even for me, it's been a long time coming to share some of these stories, and I think it's, it's a good time. Um anyway, for all fun and everything and I was probably about nineteen, 20 years old. I realized that I was starting to have a problem with this stuff, you know, doing a bit more than what it would take to just have fun end up kind of just going cold turkey and uh, passed off some connections to a friend of mine, To get distance myself from it, and told myself I'm gonna go 30 days without any other stuff because I just I I identified an issue in my my habits and all that. So needless to say, that was the beginning of a 10-year-long roller coaster. You know, when you're young, you think you have it all together and have things under control. And in all of my struggles and all that kind of stuff, I found a quote that I really like in this. uh, Man plans and God laughs. Because we always, I feel like we always, we always know, you know, we always know what's going to happen. We always know this and know that. Anyway. Um, so, sorry, I'm just looking at some, like, you know, yeah. here to kind of stay on track. Right. Um, as I'm identifying this, <clears throat> this drug addiction that I have, I am... Probably, like I said, 20 years old. I had a mortgage with a friend of mine just out of chance. He had a girlfriend at the time that had wanted to get out of the mortgage, and I was there renting a room. That made sense. Um, Him and I were working together at the time, and he ended up getting fired. But but we ended up starting a business together, and like I said, everything was, was great. I kind of identified this problem and wanted to relief myself of those extra pressures, not knowing that I was just kind of kicking, kicking myself into a, into a hole in the ground, you know, walking away from the good choices that I had made and just getting in the worst situations. So from that point, I kind of Manchester, a couple different jobs here and there. Um, I had met a girl that I had just kind of dragged right into my whole mess. And, uh, at one point, I was actually picking up bodies for a crematorium and um, I was like 24 years old. Wow. Probably not far from being in these people's shoes and a little bit further down the road type of deal, you know. Yeah. yeah. At one point, uh, that wasn't even really quite rock bottom. Guess I don't know if you have any questions thus far or you want me to keep rolling here. Oh, you can keep going,
1: brother. I'm 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 in it. I'm you know, I'm listening, brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could be a long story or it could be a short story. Right, That's for right. sure. You can keep going. Um man. So yeah, um in in the midst of my jobs i just left and right made poor choices. Uh, I can't say I really left any job on good terms at that point in my life. And uh, just maintaining, you know, I had, again, I identified the problem, but for some reason it just kind of went into the back burner and this became just part of my lifestyle. And friends around me, we were all partying. Everybody had on at different points and this and that. and um, Different people would be excluded from the group because they weren't bringing anything to the table or so much division um, between the relationship and selfishness and greed and just survival mode. Uh, I'm sure many, many people can relate. Um, So at one point I ended up getting just kind of bottom of the hole and I needed to get out of Manchester. So, girl that I was seeing had family up in the area that I'm living now. And we had I remember packing all of my or not just my stuff but her stuff as well, all of our belongings on the this little Chevy S ten with tarps over it and I had ropes and everything going fifty miles an hour on the highway just to get where we were going and uh, settled in for about three months just happy to be in a different situation um, we looked for jobs in the area we found work I was working third shift and you know that, that takes a toll but uh, I did that for quite a while and I ended up making making the wrong phone calls then disconnect from it completely say that you can run from your problems then you'll find yourself when you get there it's uh i didn't realize what i was getting into but i'm grateful to have left the city because that was a, that was a huge huge step for me whether i was it or not something was pulling me out of the mess sure we get up here and like i said we kind of just dabble and next thing you know i find out people are paying extraordinary amounts for this stuff so my entrepreneurial mind just started doing that whole mess and uh, sometimes I wonder about the lives that I've affected and all that but better better off in the present moment I suppose than hindsight but um, so By the grace of God, and I say that because I literally was just at the bottom of my low, rock bottom, as they say, and prayed for help. And uh, next thing I know, I have seven or eight U.S. Marshals knocking on my door for just some petty, stupid thing that I had done. I won't get into the specifics, but <laughs> yeah, you have to, uh... people were laughing at me. When I got going, that's for sure. <laughs> but I ended up getting pulled into the system and that you know, made bail and everything. And the judge at the time kind of felt, I guess, empathy or pity or something kind of identified me as a problem to nobody but myself. And uh, she let me out with the condition that I was to be in, in a treatment facility within two weeks, I was to the touch base with my probation officer. I forget if it was daily or daily. They, they had to be on a very short leash, getting facility in out towards the coast of New Hampshire. And I actually couldn't have more respect for a lot of the people that I met in that, in that facility. Um, more or less the staff. There was a lot of folks that I didn't necessarily relate to at the time. But our paths weren't too far off. I mean, you can only get to the end of so many different roads, you know, when you're messing with things. Um, but I met this one guy, actually. He was, like, the opposite of cool in the way that I grew up thinking. And uh, I- I remember he bought a bunch of different people, too, and he got all these different tattoos, and do he would get the tattoo in that traditional manner. So it was just, like, this deeper side of things that I hadn't really been exposed to. Um, and, I mean, maturing, I think, with age and everything helps with that. But um, I was inspired, to say the least, and I had actually gone into that place clean as the whistle because of my uh, work condition. So I kind of had a head start, I guess, and maybe a little bit of a chip on my shoulder when I was in there. Everybody kind of... I don't know, I'm always different, you know? I just had to be. (laughs) But one actually, one cool thing I learned when I was there, uh, this man came in speaking for an AA meeting, and he introduced me to a book by the title of The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz, I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, but um, that book changed my life. Absolutely. So whether you're into reading or not, I mean, the book's maybe 100 pages long. And after 20-something years of living, not necessarily being a reader, but being introduced it to about? this kind of thing, this is the first So mostly, if I was to sum it up, holding yourself You know, it's um, four agreements. One of them is, um, now I'm on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) One of them is always, uh, yeah, always do your best is one of them. uh, It's just, it breaks down the lies that we tell ourselves, you know. Um, Society has got this dream. And it's the white picket fence, you know, yeah. this, this misconception of reality that it's, uh, it's a great read. I actually, my wife just brought it over to me. It up real quick. It's a great book. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not being paid to <laughs> endorse it, but like I said, the book changed my life. Yeah, yeah. I'll recommend it to anybody. I've actually bought multiple copies of it. And gifted it to people. Um, okay, cool. Very, very cool.
1: Wait, hold on. You're yeah, cut,
0: you're cutting I'm out. Just, yeah, I okay. could be on a, just journey. On, uh, you
1: was cutting out for a second. Can you hear me? Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Okay, you're good. All right. I don't know. Maybe I was bebopping around. No,
1: no, you're good. You're good.
0: All right. All right. Um, so, yeah, in rehab, um, I think that a lot of that time could have passed pretty quickly, and I maybe would have taken a lot less away from it if I had been in um. Maybe a lack of gratitude. Kind of, you know, I think I was I was kind of ready for everything to change. I was open to new new things. You know, I was, like I said, my fuse in the other life had kind of been burned all the way through, and I was just ready for something different. But I was open, to say the least. Uh, we did meditations, which again, very hard to. It through, if you're feeling anxious or anything like that, but the value of being able to just be in the present moment and not have any expectations and uh, to see what happens, you know. I think I could actually probably underline that one patience and um, just really trying not to set any expectations, whether it's somebody that cares about you, you know, how it should be, or um. Maybe you're not good enough the way that your your life is going. You know your your parents had an expectations of you that you try to fit into this box and all that stuff. Man, it's gotta go out the door. And definitely underlying patience. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, after I got out of rehab, it was like just they call it pink. Uh, and <laughs> stuff. You got it all figured out, you know. Again, man, plans. But I ended up, uh, I did pretty, pretty well out in, in the world, but I I didn't really step my plea. And uh, it came around to bite me in the butt. So I ended up going into jail for uh, 60 days. And, um, I was actually grateful for that time. It was scary going in. I'd never been before. And I had these ideas of what it was going to be like. And uh, while I was in there, you know, I was just fresh with all this knowledge that I had from rehab and different ways of thinking, you know. Um, kind of accepted that I put myself there. Choice I made to seven to ten. Nobody else put me there but myself. I think that was a huge huge part of getting to the next stage and phase and be able to move past, um, the life that I knew, you know, but in and there also, it made me just never want to go back. (laughs) Not because the conditions, the food was okay. It was the, the fact that I couldn't just open a window to breathe there, you know? Um, there's no comfort to be found in jail. And I think it's designed that way. You know, some people, I met a lot of good people in there and they're just, they're their own worst enemy. You know, like, just like we all are. They, uh, they meant well, but this, that, and the other problems from X, Y, and Z. And uh, it ends up being the end of them because they can't forgive themselves or they can't forgive whoever, whatever it might be. So, just don't live for anybody else. Live for yourself.
1: That's good advice. Definitely. Something them I've them. learned.
0: Uh, well, it's everywhere, man. People are, these others and live up to their expectations. But, uh, so while I was in jail, I remember really telling myself, "I need to get out of here." I'm basically almost thirty years old, hitting the reset button on myself. You know, hope that I a guy that maybe owns the- and I can just be strict and don't you know? worry. <laughs> so when I get out, my neighbor upstairs actually was a manager for a company and knocked on my door and he said, "Uh, I know I've offered you the job a couple of times. I know things are a lot different for you now. If you want it, show up tomorrow, fill in an application, no background check, no drug tests. I was just like, oh, shit. All right. (laughs) (laughs) right. And uh, I walked in, you you know, I just, it was kind of one of those things. What if I was dead? No. You know, I'm sitting at home, uh, like, you got to just do what you gotta ask but uh i ended up going there and they ended up offering me 10 bucks an hour i took it no question because i needed a job and 10 was better than zero so um i moved up pretty quickly with that place i don't know if it was just the the style of job or my particular ambitions or whatever it was good for me to uh Kind of have that structure and paycheck right out the right off the how, gate. How old you got know. this time? Oh, so, uh, at that time, I was, I think I was, yeah, I was probably about Because I, uh, I remember I had a bike purchase for me for my thirtieth, so okay. I was definitely like.
1: Keep coming, going
0: in and out. So this, yeah. it might just be me stopping yeah, talking, should, yeah. I think it should. It's causing life, time. I, think. I, I got full bars. Okay,
1: all right. I might. I'm might have to edit it.
0: I can try a different mic if
1: you want. Nah, nah, I think it's just like the wild... Yeah, that works for me. I'm kind of. The... But I'm gonna I'm gonna chop up the, uh, the interview a little bit or the the story a little bit because you, you keep going in and out a little bit, but it's okay. It's
0: cool. <laughs> um, while I was in jail, actually, one of the things that I did was reading. Obviously, uh, so. Having- out with me, I, was, I remember being out and stuff, up the to get, um, all these chapter books, I mean, they were they were pretty big, like uh, thriller novels and all this kind of stuff, for like a buck a piece, so I had a big old stack of books, <laughs> man, I feel like reading, appreciating the threat there, really, you know, being grateful for my newfound, a uh, uh, second chance, to. Uh, not be controlled by this dark passenger. I don't know are you familiar with Dexter. Dexter, possibly. with the show, Showtime. Yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Dexter always referred to his his uh, demon as his dark passenger, and I couldn't appreciate that more when I was when I heard it because it was like using I didn't feel like I was always in control. I was in control of my body, yes, but my brain was just out the window, you know, doing whatever it thought with its lizard brain at the time. I, I don't know and if, if you, you never heard of a blizzard brain.
1: I don't know if you said it or not, but what what drug was your choice, if you, if you wanted to
0: say that? Uh, I was in the program, yeah.
1: Okay, oh okay. yeah, you did say that. I'm sorry about that. Yeah.
0: No, it's all good. Um. That's actually, I honestly think that's one of the things that kept me alive is because I was, like, kind of a perk snob. I was, uh... I never really... I thought highly of myself, even though I was hurting myself as much as I was, you know? Um, But, yeah, I mean, when we didn't have that, we would mess around with all kinds of different stuff. And... uh some of my buddies used to just get into whatever and I was just kinda always nah, I like I like what I like and the stuff doesn't really do not work for me. And I definitely like as out of control as I was already. I wasn't trying to put any gas behind that. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know man. It'll it it kind of and having that fresh perspective, like, I just, I always felt like I was on the bottom of the barrel when I was coming up in the inner city and uh, grew up poor, you know, didn't always have the things that we wanted to have. We always had enough, you know, we never went hungry and all this, but um, one of my parents not being around, I just kind of had little supervision, you know, we were just, itching to get into the world and we found it. But, um,
1: yeah, brothers and sisters.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I got, uh, two brothers and a sister. Um, we were real close with our cousins growing up on my mom's side. Like, Hey, just after school, we would be there pretty much until my mom got out of work and everything. Um, actually used to look up to my cousin a lot. And, uh, he was actually—I remember—the first person I smoked weed with, <laughs> and I just wanted to impress that kid, man. And uh, he actually passed away, um, wow. probably about nine nine years ago now. I think it was. And the sad thing is, when I first found out about his passing, I couldn't go to his funeral without getting high myself. Wow. Um, a couple of years, I remember I was with my my friend Jake at that funeral. And, uh, a couple of years later, my friend Jake had actually passed and, uh, it was both of them were overdosed, you know, um, I wish that they could have had a chance to, to recover or, you know, I've, I don't know. I don't think either of them had gone into a rehab facility at all. They might've never even been able to make it past denial, um, I think a lot of people kind of accept life as what it is and like it's happening to us where and I used to think that way too whereas now I kind of feel like or I've learned I should say that I'm the one holding the paintbrush and I'm also the canvas so I don't know I move with a lot more intention nowadays um which is pretty interesting I anyway, own a small business now and that's a whole nother story and mess that, <laughs> that I've created so to speak but good problems to have. Yeah. Uh, what's funny though is I look at all the, the ambition that I put behind finding my drug of choice at the time and the success I had in finding it. Reverse that to the positive and wouldn't believe how liars I put out <laughs> when I was first starting up and how much advertising I did, knowing that my actions would reciprocate.
1: What kind of business you have?
0: I got a clean business, but I also have a whole bunch of other ideas that I would love to put the gas behind now that I've kind of freed myself from from the handcuffs. Of uh, addiction, which I honestly can't even take a hundred percent credit for. I never went to a treatment facility. Well, I went to a treatment facility. I never went through like the twelve steps traditionally. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read a ton of books about power of minds, and from what I understand, and again, I'm no professional, so um, reading has been great for me, filling my life with hobbies. Uh, Gardening was one of the first things that I kind of fell in love with. I don't have the space for it right now, but just caring for something, seeing the results, I think that was actually a big big part of the job that I got fresh out of jail, too, was seeing the difference in things and getting that reward um, that you did something that was worth value. You know, when
1: you, when you go to when you go to bed, you're thinking about I'm gonna finish it tomorrow, and I, I can't wait to get to it. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, was it because usually sure. people that are addicted to something usually something like dramatic or something happened to them for them to like want to quit? Was it, like a dramatic situation where you went through and you're like, all right, yeah, I'm done.
0: Um, to get off the stuff. Yeah. I think uh, it was probably a compilation of things. I had, I never, I mean, there was a couple of times that I remember waking up gasping for air and even that was kind of early on, you know? It's like there was nothing necessarily crazy beyond going to jail. I mean, that was, that was pretty traumatic, you know, getting abducted right. by federal agents. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, It shook me up a bit. Uh, I think I was ready for the change before that and maybe just needed the rope. You know, it's... uh, I think even with... You can take addicts, you can take 10 of them, you can take 100 of them, shove them all into an institution, whether it's rehab or a jail, and not all of them are going to get out live. You know, not all of them are going to that some of them are not going to be ready to hear it. And I think that that probably was um, probably the, the real key to, to the change is just wanting something different. Mm-hmm. You know? But that was, like I said, man, it was probably seven or eight years dragged out of the roller coaster. Sometimes I'm doing well. Sometimes I'm doing real bad. Stealing, uh from family, you know, which is another thing having a small business now, like things I've done in the past. I would have never thought that I would be able to this where people trust codes to their homes. You know, um, it's just wherever your intentions lie, I guess. And time. Time heals all they say. Um, I can definitely trust to that one.
1: Yeah. I appreciate the conversation, man. I really do.
0: No problem, man. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything you want to say, you want to shout out your business or,
0: uh, I'll stay a little anonymous anonymous <laughs> with right. that one for now. Cause this is the first time I really, really shared my story. But, um, if anybody that is listening is struggling with any type of substance abuse, um, I would definitely recommend the professional help, as well as kind of maybe trying to take a step back and identify some of the ways that you might be lying to yourself, um, some of the ways you might be hurting yourself. And the quickest way to succeed, I've read, is aligning your desire, because when you align your desire with something, it becomes much easier to obtain. Like I said, being being sick and tired was a, a great step for me to, to start seeing changes in my life. Um, again, underline patience. Be patient with yourself uh, over everything. Be patient with yourself. Um, I like to think that I was patient before. And another little mantra that I like to hold on to is the patience of a god. Um sometimes we gotta just break out of the human box that we all put ourselves into and kinda understand that we're not gonna understand the timelines and the way things work for us. But as long as we're putting our best foot forward and doing everything that we can in the day that we have to make tomorrow a better place for us or for our families, um, the present is the only time to change the future. And I'm feeling pretty strong with that one, so I'm gonna say that's all I got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, man. Thank you, man. It was nice talking to you, brother. Yeah, no problem. Thank all you.
0: Alright. You too, man. Stay up. Ooh.
1: You weren't looking at the camera at all. Yeah, because I. Yeah, the camera's over here. I'm looking this way. You I'm looking, looking at the No, that's weird as fuck. Right, I'll take next. The next time I do it, okay. Ask more questions. He's talking. I'm not. You. You can't hear what's going on. That's why. Yeah, he's but talking.
0: He's like, oh, blah, 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 I
1: fell down and was drinking. All right. I don't want to oh, stop. I don't want to stop. I don't, I don't want to stop him while he's talking. Like that's the thing. Once he stops, like for a quick second, then I'll, I'll say something. But if he's talking, I'm not going to interrupt him. Because you know, for a question. And then boom, he stops talking about what he's talking about and try to answer. I already did that and then he didn't even finish what he was saying. Because I asked him a question. Oh, I'm shit, sure I'm still recording. If you like this episode, you will love the video version on YouTube. Subscribe, baby.